This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, June 5th, 2021. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, my... Uh... Speaking of technical solutions, not technical problems. I had to come up with two technical solutions to make today's show actually work. Uh, and that was what that noise was in the background. It was me broadcasting on a delay because that's how I do this. So I could actually, I have two devices running, my phone and my iPad. My iPad is what lets me see the chat. I couldn't see any of the chat last week, but this week I'll be able to. So that's cool. Well, there's a technique I picked up uh, doing the retrospective Geek Gab special with Brian Niemeyer. Um, I don't know how long YouTube's allowed this, but you can pop out the chat in a separate window and you can close the stream tab after you do that. And the chat keeps scrolling. So you oh, can yeah, keep tabs that... on chat without. That assumes you have access to a desktop computer. Oh, yeah. Doesn't work on the phone, does it? No. Or on an no. iPad. Pity. So, uh, and the YouTube app likes to do bad things to everything else on your device. It likes to take over all of your audio channels and all of the video channels and even when you pause the video or quit the YouTube app, it doesn't give them back correctly. Yeah, I don't think much of YouTube's apps. The browser is good enough. Thank you very much. So, but I came up with a solution, which is to run the uh, show in one device and run the uh, studio on another device because if I keep them isolated from each other, even YouTube can't screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I keep them isolated, like not only on separate devices, you probably have to keep them on the other side of the room as well, just so that they don't, their, their fields don't overlap. Keep them on different subnets of the <laughs> of the land here. It's just it's just ridiculous that I have to do that. It's ridiculous I have to think up something like that to, uh, just to do a simple basic function because YouTube is so messed up. Technology so, yeah, grand. Technical problems, but they were not my fault. They were YouTube's fault. And I was uh, forced to exercise extreme ingenuity and thinking my way around YouTube. Two sucks. Oh, well. So I bet you weren't expecting me to stop, were you? No, not at all. I was, uh, I, I was waiting for you to ask me how my week was. Oh, yeah. So, Doranoff, how was your week? Fantastic. Are you kidding me? I've been spending most evenings hanging out with Brian Niemeyer, as I mentioned earlier. 
uh, we have been, Brian's been playing on his Super Nintendo in the background, but we've been hanging out with chat talking about Gundam, other anime, video games, pop culture, or whatever. Uh, it's me, Brian, and Catholic Lancer, also known as uh, the guy who is developing the Combat Frame X Seed card game. So we're having a we're having a great time hanging out uh, Monday through Thursday. We're going to wrap up next week. We're we're actually uh, starting on Monday night. We're going to go into the final dungeon. Uh, Brian claims it's going to be at least uh, one or two full two-hour sessions to finish that out. Um, so if you just want to hang out and, and watch a video game in the background, uh, I, I think it's great. Um, that's mostly what's been going on this week. Um, I, did, uh, I did want to mention something about last night. I finally caught up with a little bit of my reading in old school Dungeons & Dragons. Would you like to hear a little bit about that? Sure. All right. Now this is a little. I'm I'm behind the eight ball here. If anybody, uh, if anybody reads Jeffro Johnson, or or watches the Joy of Wargaming War channel, they're already up to date on on the differences between D and D and AD and D and AD and D and third edition and and so on. And I was evaluating the Dungeon Master guides of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and AD and D second edition. And I, I spot what Jeffro was talking about when he said that the style of the game changes from one edition to the other. And when you read Gary Gygax's multi-syllabic prose in the original Advanced Dungeons & Dragons books, you can tell that he has a very specific world or universe rather, and a very specific game in mind. Like uh, no no two games are going to be the same, but within the rules, they're supposed to have a lot of the same properties. And I, I wish I had a snippet prepared to read. Um, suffice it to say that in second edition is when we get to the game as it's all about just doing whatever you want. Uh, give the players what they want, which is fine. You do want them to have what they want. Um, character background is important. Um, let's see. Here's the best thing, and I wish... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm rambling. I'm not I'm not getting to a point. The point is if you want to know what you're doing as a dungeon master and why the dungeon master guide is not helpful. It it's at least the introduction. The introduction is gobbledygook. Um Gary Gygax uses a lot of big words and probably five words when three will do, but he lets you know, this is what you're doing, this is why, and based on my years of experience, this is what's going to make a good game. He doesn't, he doesn't mess around, he doesn't beat around the bush, he's like, you know, these, these are guidelines, you, you can change them as you see fit, but know what you're doing first. Right. This is why we've chosen these 
rules in these structures. It's really quite fascinating. Um, I encourage anybody who is either new to dungeon mastering or new to old school gaming, find a find a copy of the AD&D First Edition Dungeon Master's Guide. At least read the introduction. You can probably find a you probably you probably find it pasted by Jeffro somewhere online. Um, I I'm not going to say speak about the rest of the game. I grew up on Second Edition. Uh, so, so reading through the first edition books was kind of a revelation for me. Um, but I, I, I think I understand now. I, I totally recommend it. What's your experience? Um, I think a lot of the first edition AD&D manuals are excellent for people, no matter what game they're running. And if I could make some lists uh real quick um i would recommend anyone buy oriental adventures specifically for the annual and monthly and quarterly event random tables i think those are awesome i think they're interesting and for any AD&D campaign uh they can be adapted for any campaign style and i think they would just jazz up just about any game um they're random events that you generate by rolling a a uh percentile um uh rolling a percentile dice and they will tell you like okay uh, the magistrate of the uh, province the players uh, are in is his son's getting married. Um, and, you know, then you generate another one and saying, well, there is a, in the next town you come to, there's a tournament for martial arts to show off your styles. You have a fighting tournament. Okay, so you take these two random events you just rolled up and you say, okay, well, this tournament will decide is uh, to celebrate the son's wedding. And so winners get, uh, you know, a gold necklace to celebrate the son's wedding. Or maybe you decide it isn't. Maybe you decide it's a celebration of the town, that the town's been, you know, founded a thousand years ago. And this is... Uh, has nothing to do with the wedding, but the son has decided to enter the tournament. And so it's very important to him. And so they can meet and fight against the son. Just taking these sorts of concepts and building entire campaign structures around them is really, really amazingly interesting and useful. And it kind of helps to know what you think is going to happen uh, in the future, it's just like a wandering monster check, except for it's the whole campaign world, or at least the part of the campaign world that you want to roll for. Um, and I wish that it had gained more in popularity or 
it had been adapted into a broader, uh, adapted more broadly into the role-playing community than it was. So I think it's a great idea. And I think game masters could really, really benefit from it. They're focused. Game masters are focused on the adventure and on the player characters, which is fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But having this sense of the flow of events outside the players, where big things happen, where things are on the move that beyond the players that they can get involved in and that flow and that you can use your creativity to set up a flow of events and say, okay, well, after um, you roll up another one, okay, bandits, you roll up a random one that says, okay, bandit activity suddenly increases in the area. And now you have to use your ingenuity and figure out how does this bandit activity um, fit into the marriage? Or maybe it doesn't. But you could say, all right, well, one of the rivals for the this woman's hand, they got angry because he got to marry her. They didn't. So what seems to be bandit activity is actually the precursors to him gathering forces for a rebellion. And he's stealing money to outfit them with weapons and armor and to steal weapons and armor from caravans. And he's getting ready to try and overthrow the magistrate so to take control of the province and then kill the son and take the girl for his wife. Okay, now you've got a, you know, a series of events happening that's beyond the players that gives them a lot of opportunities to get involved or not. You know, if they're really low level, they can be involved as guards on the caravans. If they're medium level, they can be hunting down bandit camps and finding out what's going on. If they're high level, they can be involved on behalf of the revolution if they think that the magistrate is is cruel and domineering or against the revolution. So many ideas for adventures and getting involved just from a couple of random roles, uh, just like wandering monster checks. So I encourage people to go and buy a copy of the Oriental Adventures. Um, there's a lot of great ideas for monsters and other things in the first edition guidebook. There's also this, uh, you know, this idea of uh, managing and running your uh, your campaign and giving big campaign events that you can adapt. And you can adapt this to uh, any campaign. You can adapt it to a Shadowrun campaign. Um, you can adapt it to whatever you want. Um, you know, in, Ren in Shadowrun, you could have it be... Uh, the head of Renreku in Seattle is getting married to uh, the uh, Afuchi Japan uh, uh, high executive who's a woman. And that's what's causing unrest. Uh, or maybe an as technology executive uh, was really in love with her and he's upset and he's starting up some blood magic in Seattle.
so you can adapt this same idea to a lot of different things. So that's why I uh, recommend people check this out and at very least buy a PDF copy. You don't have to buy, you know, one of the old hardback books, although I love those. And uh, if I had money right now, I'd be buying those just to have them. Uh, the other book I would recommend, and I've, I've plugged this before, is the Wilderness Survival Guide for the map making tutorial in the back that tells you how to make a map according to sound geographic principles uh, with very simple guidelines. And I would recommend that to anyone and everyone uh, if you're drawing up a map for your original campaign world. Wilderness uh, Survival Guide. What system is that from? AD&D First Edition. Oh, okay. So those are both First Edition books. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm going to plug other AD&D first edition books that uh, <laughs> should be in your library no matter what game system you're running. Uh, and uh, I'll second the plug for the DMG. Those three books ought to be in your library no matter what system you're running. And I think the latter two, the uh, Wilderness Survival Guide and the Oriental Adventures, uh, very often get overlooked uh, even by AD&D players because they have kind of a bad reputation um but they should both definitely definitely be on your radar and be in your collection well said i'm gonna go back to go to chat real quick because uh john dacre the mixed gm echoing what you said uh ad and d dungeon master guide absolute must have even if you don't run first edition ad and i uh it sounds like we've got some concurrence here um, I want to say hi to everybody showing up today. Bradford Walker's in the chat. Simon Hugwood for all. Glad you guys could be here. Matthew Martin's here. Uh, hey, guys. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of love for first and second edition AD&D in here. Uh, Simon uh, Hogwood's also here. And uh, J.D. Cowan stopped by to say hi, even though he couldn't stay for the show. Oh. Interesting. I... I did find an interesting snippet in uh, in the second edition player's handbook, which I I'd like to read real quick before I move on. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Don't after two after two pages of talking about three pages talking about player character backgrounds and things, it ends with this paragraph. A character's background is a role playing tool. It provides the player with more information about his character, more beginning personality on which to build. It should complement your campaign and spur it forward. Background details should stay there, in the background. What your characters are doing now and will do in the future is more important than what they were and what they once did. Wouldn't it be nice if if that were the only paragraph on background and we had just forgotten about it for the rest of D&D's existence? That may be just a personal preference, but nothing sticks in my craw like long backgrounds, tragic backstories, and so on. So let me ask you an honest question. Yeah. And this is not a personal question because I've um, I want to get some analysis to find out where you kind of stand. My character in your campaign, is their background too long or not? Um, I think 
what you described is perfectly adequate. You looked at your character sheet, had some numbers, and came up with some rationale. Um, and when and you will often preface one of your actions with, because this is where my character came from, and this is basically how he grew up, right? This is how I'm reacting to this situation. You're just providing context. That's not really a problem. Is it more background than I I needed? I think so. Is it too much background? Not at all. Is it disruptive to the game? No. I think it's exactly the sort of thing that makes a good and interesting character when you take two minutes to think about, okay, where does this guy come from? Great. Now that I know where this guy comes from, let's move on with the actual game because that's what's important. And that's how I feel about it. And it isn't really a long story. It's not like paragraphs and paragraphs of stories, just a couple of sentences. That's enough. It's just, hey, I thought about where this guy came from. And especially when you're playing in a, a world that isn't as well defined as the real world or even Middle Earth or something like that, it's fun to come up with some things that makes the game master go, hmm, all right, I can fit that in somewhere. Yeah, if you have something that that makes people moan and makes their eyes glaze over when you mention it, that's way too much. If you have something that can be not just summarized, but entirely told in two sentences, that's probably perfect. Uh See, you brought up my uh, Oriental Adventures fetish, which I've been, I've seriously been thinking about for the last uh, two, three weeks, is uh, looking at that system and taking some inspiration from it. Um, because I just love the idea of randomly rolling big campaign events and assembling, you know, it's almost like the weather. Uh, or the evening news. Each players are going through the world. And these thoughts are now trying to dominate my mind when we've got things to go to. They're like, ooh, what about this? Ooh, what about that? Isn't that so cool? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. But we're doing a show. It has to be cool after the show. <laughs> I said nothing. All right. You saw, what did you see? Oh, I watched this, uh, this new army of the dead film, which uh, no, we, we were going to talk we were gonna, about. Going to what? There's something else we're going to talk about too. I don't recall. It was just uh, D and D and uh, these movies. Okay, so we have got three movies to talk about. Three movies. Ah, ah, ah. So, one of them is sort of brand new in December. That's pretty brand new. Um, apparently, it was real popular. But then again, it wasn't up against a lot of competition in December because 
you know, COVID. Was it, it wasn't released in theaters or anything, was it? I mean, many theaters were open, but at low capacity. It was released in theaters. Is that so? Uh, Called Greenland has Gerard Butler and Marina Bacharin in it. Um, the next movie came out 20 something six years ago. 1996. Years ago. 25 years ago. Wow. The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis and Sam Jackson. And you guys are all wondering, why the heck are you reviewing that? Well, it's because John saw it when it first came out in theaters. Because it's awesome. And I first saw it two weeks ago. And Sam Jackson hasn't aged a day, I promise. Yeah, oddly enough, no. Um. And I have been told uh, this is not my saying, but I have been told that black don't crack. Um, and Samuel L. Jackson looks to prove that rule because I just saw a trailer last night of the hitman's wife's bodyguard. And he doesn't look any older. Right. When they get him up in the in the stage makeup in front of camera, he still looks the same. I think the only time I've seen him when he actually looked his age was in the Unbreakable series. Unbreakable mm -hmm. and the latest one. I mean, even more Glass. than Freeman, the only aging he looks like he's done is his hair is gone grayer. So... I don't know. I heard that on black Twitter, just in case, you know, you're knowing if I don't want to offend people too late, I'm too tired. <laughs> oh, that's right. Too late. We offended people. Oh, well, they'll just have to send the mob after me. Do it. Burn me out of house and home. Fortunately, I'm living in someone else's place right now so yeah so where do you want to start where do you want to start d-dub oh do we mention the third film yes wait no well it's all over the title of the stream oh army dead the zombie movie with dave batista how could that go wrong people you know i thought the whole movie that the foreigner blonde chick was the same chick from was the cyborg chick from Terminator Dark Fate. Was that the last one? Uh, and it turns out I was wrong, 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 wrong. She's just some French model actress who hasn't really done anything that I've ever seen her in. So, yeah, I checked IMDb. It's crazy, but I did. 
because you're usually you're the IMDb guy. <laughs> I keep on expecting you to talk by now. I'm just I'm letting you have it. Letting you have it. You're letting me stumble around. Stumble around. Oh, I was just wondering. Uh, same same question as before. Let's let's actually dig in. Is that the one you want to talk about first? Yeah, let's talk about that first. Army of the I Dead. I don't know that it'll take all that long to discuss Army of the Dead. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, quick synopsis. It's uh, it's set up as a heist movie. Las, uh, Las Vegas has been taken over by the zombie apocalypse and the U.S. military walled it off and they, the zombies have been running the city ever since. Dave Bautista uh, is a member of a gang of people who successfully escaped the zombie apocalypse. Uh, that's where your cast of characters comes from, mostly. A bunch of regular people who banded together and shot and stabbed and sawed up zombies and fought their way out to the outer walls before it was closed off. Uh, it's kind of a cool introduction to the characters. Here you go. This is what they did before the movie. Uh, this is how they all know each other. And then we cut to present day where the character, Scott Ward, played by Dave Bautista, is asked to, hey, you want to make a lot of money? There's a lot of money in the zombie zone, and I know that you can you can hack it. I know that you can survive in there, so here's all the information you need to get the money. All you have to do is go in there, survive the zombie apocalypse, and get it. So, Scott assembles his old crew, adds a couple of new people, because um, what you need is, I don't know, when when you go in for your zombie killing apocalypse crew, I think the first person I would always go to is a middle-aged Mexican woman working in a body shop. Uh, but there's the uh, there's also the big guy play Vander Ho Vander Ho, played by, uh, by Omari Hardwick. Uh, I I think he's a pretty great character because he's like in a pool helping you know uh, water therapy for elderly people. But as soon as Batista shows up, he gets this glint in his eye. He's like, yeah, helping people is great, but I'm, I've got some aggression I need to get out on these zombies. Um, anyway, he, he puts together his whole team, including a uh, weird German safe cracker so that they can get at the piles and piles of cash in Vegas. And it it starts off as a zombie movie slash heist movie hybrid. And there we that's how it starts. And what can I say? From my perspective, it goes completely downhill from there. As it is neither a very good zombie movie, and it's not a heist movie at all. Um, there's a lot more to go over, but Daddy Warpig, before I spoil the whole thing and spill the beans, I want to get your reaction. Zack Snyder should never be allowed 
to write scripts by himself. The Amen. He should be forced to give his ideas to a real writer. And then the real writer writes the scripts and develops his ideas. Zack Snyder is, I believe, a great director. He's a visual director. He comes up with great stuff to put on the screen that's interesting and cool-looking and awesome. But he is not a good storyteller in the sense of assembling a plot that is coherent or uh, uh, complete. That's the word I'm looking for. He cannot assemble a complete plot. Like Sucker Punch is awesome. It's got five of the greatest scenes I've ever seen. But everything connecting those scenes together that tries to make those scenes make sense is just, I just want to be very, very clear which movie I'm talking about when I make statements like that. Okay? It's going to be very important for the audience, for you guys listening to understand. When I say things like, I like the movie really a lot that I am talking about Sucker Punch. Got it. But the story is all messed up. So, it's got a lot of great ideas, and it could have been made into a better story, and a better story would have made the movie so much better, but still, those five scenes are gold. They're amazing. Uh, I love them. I, I love those five scenes. Uh, and they're the five fight scenes, the five fantasy scenes. Uh, and you know which ones I'm talking about? She's in the sailor outfit and fighting the samurai statues, so on and so forth. I'm not going to dive into it. Um, and this movie suffers the same problems. There are individual scenes in this movie that are awesome. There are even individual character moments of personality that are awesome. Like the helping the old lady with uh, swimming therapy. There's a scene with Tig Notaro, who is a female comedian who's now doing acting, and she does just a great job in most of the roles she's in. Uh, and this is a slight spoiler, but it's not really. Um, they show up uh, and say, and, and invite her to join their, you know, dangerous walk into zombie territory she's a helicopter pilot and they say yes we want you to come with this uh fly us out of las vegas and they say we'll pay two million dollars they don't actually tell her the job they start off by telling her we'll pay you two million dollars and she's like okay i'm in and they're like don't you want to know what the job is nope i'm in my life sucks and $2 million could change that completely. Don't you want to know the risks? Why would I want to know the risks? I mean, 
$2 million. Tell me where to go. That's a great character moment, that little conversation, because you got to figure some people when presented with that amount of money are just going to say yes. They're not going to argue. They're not going to have past baggage. They're not going to, you know, bring up, well, you know, the last time we got together, old Timmy died and Timmy was my friend and it was your fault because you're a bad leader. All that, you know, hullabaloo that goes on in movies like this when you're getting the old band back together. She hmm. just says yes, because $2 million is a hell of a lot of money for anybody. Even for someone like Jeff Bezos, $2 million is a lot of money. Uh, Interesting tidbit uh, that you mentioned Tig Notaro. Did you know if you thought any of her scenes were really awkward or the conversations were, were a little strange, did you know that's because she was added completely in post-production? Yeah, I heard that after I saw the movie. Yeah. So if, if, if her character and, and the way she appeared on screen or, and interacted with the characters was a little off-putting, there's a really good reason for that. So They originally... Yeah, they originally had a different comedian, and he got uh, canceled. So they replaced him with Tig Notaro. What I'm saying is there are great character moments in the movie. And there are even decent or really good zombie moments in the movie. Good moments of tension, good moments of, you know, suspense. But... They are surrounded by not good moments. They are packed in like you were sending humble figurines to someone. You make sure that stuff, those little ceramic figurines, are packed in and around with packing peanuts, right? Those little styrofoam peanuts to protect them from being broken. Mm -hmm. So the question is, in order to make it safe, you always have more packing peanuts than you have homo figurines. The packing peanuts have to outweigh them and outnumber them and outvolume them. Well, that's what this movie is. Some great moments surrounded by all this filler of not great moments. <laughs> So, yeah. I, yeah. I, what can I? What can I say? It's it, there. There was a couple of moments and set pieces that he obviously had in mind, and um, every character is retarded. Uh, <laughs> nobody's nobody's likable. Uh, nothing that happens makes uh, sense. Um, uh, everybody dies. They. I mean, I said, who, I heard someone describe this. I, I don't know who said this, so I'm not going to be able to attribute it properly. But if, if nothing would have changed if all the characters had just committed suicide at the beginning of the movie, it's, there's no point in watching it. Like, it's not a good movie. And I guess when you get a zombie flick, you kind of have to expect just about everybody's going to die, but come on. Um, 
Although, I tell you what, I was very satisfied when my favorite character in the whole uh, movie, the uh, <laughs> Rolls. Thanks, Rolls. Rolls says Brian Niemeyer said that. How did I forget that it was Brian that said that? Um, um, Garrett Dillahunt from uh, that sitcom um, Raising Hope. He plays this, you know, ex-military black ops tag-along guy, and he's sort of a—he's a—he's kind of a traitor. He's got his own agenda, and it causes some trouble with the team. And he—he uh, he gets mauled in spectacular CGI fashion. That—that that was kind of satisfying. He's the only character I liked because it, everybody sort of knew that he was going to be a problem, and. We're like, but we're in a zombie movie, so we're just going to let it happen. <laughs> that was the greatest PC moment. And I don't mean politically correct. I mean player character moment uh, of the whole movie, where the characters in the movie talked like they were PCs in one of my games. Yep. Uh, and I almost applauded. Yeah. Like, oh, he, he can hear us. Yeah. What? Uh, that was yeah that, that was that was fun um and also speaking of pcs just they he rounded out the crew with a uh a, a mexican youtuber out of la who who is like a he's a viral youtube sensation uh showing him and his buddies going around shooting zombies <laughs> it's like yeah of course someone's gonna strap on a gopro and kill zombies for sport and super likes yeah uh they they literally stand there with this guy who the audience knows is going to betray them. And they turn to each other and Tignotaro says, So should should we just get rid of him? He he's gonna betray us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my PCs, no. <laughs> They've had conversations or could have had conversations exactly like that. That's just perfect. And they were like, he's a human being. <laughs> you can't just go around killing people. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna wrap up my take on the film by answering Bradford Walker's question. If you cut the filler out of the film, would Army become a good film? Absolutely not. The plot is nonsensical. It's not written correctly. All the characters are retarded. Most of the motivations don't really cut it. And uh, we didn't even go over how stupid the German safe cracker was. Uh, what an awful idea. Uh, I kind of liked him. Yeah, yeah, well. You like zombie movies, so there's no I accounting do. for taste. Uh, absolutely not. It's it's not a very good zombie movie. It is not a heist movie. It would need a rewrite from the ground up, as Daddy Warpig suggested. Someone who said, okay, Zach, do you want a zombie movie or a heist movie? And make a good movie from there. If you wanted a heist movie that contains zombies, it's missing every single story beat of a heist movie Aside from the beginning where they explain the plan. It's just awful. What do you think? What's the last word, DW? I think the movie was wrongly predicated to begin with. 
that introduction to the movie, which is the initial breakout of the zombies in the movie. So you've got soldiers, and this was the funniest thing. You have really sensible zombie fighting measures because you've got the main strip of Las Vegas filled with zombies. And so what do they do? They send two A-10s down this strip, dropping napalm to just flash fry this entire column of zombies, which I did first in my game. You remember, John? Oh, yeah. So, but then they also send in a parachute drop of soldiers to fight the zombies. Now, folks, I hate to tell you this, but you do not send a dispersed troop insertion to fight zombies. <laughs> you send in like 50 Bradleys and roll over as many as you can. And then you jump people out the back to start shooting and cleaning up what's left. Be that as it may. I don't know that would make for a good movie. It'd make for a really gory, bloody movie that I think would get you an X rating. <laughs> or what is it now, <laughs> NC-17? Yes. I think that would get you death. a solid NC-17. So um, what they should have done, instead of setting this movie like a year or two after Las Vegas has become this big political football issue, and the president has decided to nuke the city. Uh, on the 4th of July. On the 4th of July. Best president I, ever. Best president ever. I was I, I checked to see if this was a dig at, at the uh, greatest president of the United States uh, ever. But uh, this was written before uh, Trump was in office. So I just assumed it was a dig at Trump. But I liked it, looked at the timeline and I was like, nope. Zack Snyder just thought that that would be an awesome president, and I agree. Um, this entire movie should have started and run and ended during this period of chaos in Las Vegas. What it should have been is a group of mercenaries and criminals, specialists, Paired with uh, some bank robbers who get sent into Las Vegas on a last-minute heist to rob this casino because they've suddenly got an opening thanks to this zombie outbreak that's happening. There you go. That, all, that is a great setup. That is a zombie heist movie. It's a real heist, and it's a real zombie movie, and they're dealing with not just zombies, but they're dealing with guards and security and you know the military coming in to kick off, you know, to try and fighting the zombies, and they're trying to get around the zombies, trying to get around the military, trying to get around the casino security and security forces. And they've called in extra security because they're trying to get, you know, 
the gold or whatever out because that would be awesome. It's gold uh, instead of just cash. Um, you know, whatever. That would have been a cool movie. That would have been a fun, energetic movie because you can imagine longer versions of all those great scenes. People are going to ask me, do you recommend this movie? And I would say, um, I would recommend you fast forward to the credits and at least watch the credits because they're awesome. The opening credits? Yeah. Yeah, the, the montage that, that introduces the team, that should have been the movie. Yes. That should have been the movie, and it should have been a heist movie. That would have been awesome. So yeah, you're right. This movie needed a ground-up rewrite, and that's the ground-up rewrite. A real zombie heist movie. I agree, because a zombie heist movie sounds amazing. And it could have been done that way. I'd... So yeah. Heartbreak. My heart is broken. It's breaking it's even a, now. It's, it's not... It's not even so bad it's good. It's just not a it's not a good movie and, and millions and millions of dollars were wasted on beautiful production values. It's got really high production values. I will uh, say this. Outstanding animations. I'm going to torpedo the entire movie so that everyone listening will never ever want to see it. Will hate it forever. And I'm sorry to do this cuz I actually I watched that and it was okay. I didn't I didn't hate it so much. I felt like I wasted two hours of my life. I didn't want to stab my eyes out when it was over. I mean, it's not a horrendous movie. I've seen bad movies, really bad movies. I mean, I'm the one who watched all the trauma movies. And, the trauma and don't movies forget were... Birdemic. Oh, I didn't watch Birdemic, but Birdemic is out there. Yeah, you wouldn't uh, make it 15 minutes. I... Uh, the trauma movies were more enjoyable, though. They were worse, but somehow more enjoyable. And I don't know how that works. Um, this movie steals a lot of plot points from Aliens beat for beat. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Especially the callback at the end. Uh, they get, they get bishop, bishoped by the helicopter pilot. Yep. And they have a Burke character who literally locks the door on them. Mm -hmm. They, it's just red letter media and their review of army of the dead. Actually, they go through and mention all the parallels between aliens in this movie. It's, uh, it's painful. So yeah, watch red letter media. If you want to hear all the parallels between aliens in this movie, they say it's like directly copied or stolen. I think they're they're exaggerating for humor's sake, but still, it's you're like, oh. Zack Snyder is trying to create a cinematic universe from his zombie ideas. Like, there's a couple of zombies in the movie who are actually Terminators. They're robots. They've got cyborg parts underneath them. Oh, I'd forgotten why. that. I've forgotten that. That's wild. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes where you're like, wait, that was a robot zombie. Why is there a robot zombie? That's a setup for a sequel. 
at the very beginning, they come walking through big piles of zombies that have desiccated in the sun. And they talk about how when rain falls on them, they, they come back alive and get up and zombie about. Which I loved. I loved that idea. I'm like, oh, cool. We're going to see that. That's awesome. And then it doesn't come up again the entire rest of the movie. And I was pissed, man. Mm. That's a Chekhov's gun moment. And it didn't go off. And I was hoping that setup. one would go off. Yeah, that's a setup for a sequel. And there's just uh, there's a prequel movie coming and other stuff. And then I'm like, stop trying to set up sequels. Just give me a movie with cool stuff in it. And I think the coolest thing would have been uh, Las Vegas being overrun by zombies and they're trying to break into this casino. That would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't trust Zack Snyder anymore. No, not if he's writing the script. No. All right, in the end, what has he done that's good? 300? Is that it? 300? Watchmen? Watchmen was okay. I think Watchmen had a better... His solution for the... Doc uh, Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah, that was much better than the squid. Was that him, or, or was there a, a different writer involved? Because after watching this movie, I have a feeling he wasn't writing any of that shit. The, it may have been another writer. That's fine. All it was the movie actually had a better plot than most of, than the ending of the comic. Um, Sucker Punch had those five scenes that were amazing and incredible. Um, I haven't watched this Justice League movie yet. No, there's no way I could sit through four hours of the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's, I'm I'm writing this guy off. Oh, the Owls of Gahul. What? It's an animated kids film. Really he directed. It's got Gerard Butler doing the voice of an owl, and it's it's fantastic. Hey, it, remember it when is, Gerard Butler was cast in movies? Why do they yeah. keep doing that? Well, that's perfect segue to Greenland, by the way. Um, yeah, I heard that. Um, but yeah, it's something, 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 the Owls of Gahul. It is an absolutely, it's the best movie Zack Snyder's ever made. Oh, also 2004, Dawn of the Dead. That's a spectacular movie. Better he than did the Dawn original. Of the Dead. He did Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I liked that. Um, that's high praise for a zombie movie. <laughs> it sure is. Coming from you, yeah, that's cool. So anyways, I mean, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I get you, yeah. I'm done with Zack Snyder. If you haven't seen the animated Owl movie, I would recommend that. Seriously, all, right. all the recommended in the world. Well, all unlike right. zombie movies, I trust your recommendation. Yeah, most of the other Zack Snyder movies I would I would give recommends with like caveats. But that one I would recommend unhesitatingly. 
It's gorgeous. Uh, it's very sweet and touching. It was just a good movie. And I, I, it came from a book, so it's not his story. There you go. So, uh, speaking of Owl Gerard Butler, tell me about this Greenland movie. Greenland turned out to be so much better than I thought it would. And maybe that's kind of unfair because that'll make the movie seem maybe better than it was. Um, but it was a great disaster movie. Um, kind of a callback to the. Uh, you remember, or maybe you don't back in the 90s where they had that trilogy of uh, Deep Impact and then uh, Asteroid. Was that the Michael Bay movie? Oh, yeah. Um, Armageddon and Deep Impact. And there's another one. Yeah. they they Disaster movies just became a huge thing for a couple of years. Yeah. They had three Asteroid slash Comet movies all at the same time. And yet none of them were... Uh, Lucifer's Hammer, which I thought would make a great movie. Well, Greenland is kind of Lucifer's Hammer. Okay. Uh, it's about a comet that comes out of interstellar space. And it's coming to smash the crap out of Earth. And you have a father who's getting back with his estranged wife and they have to, it's just three days in their life of trying to survive something that they're told isn't going to be that big a deal. It's going to completely miss the earth. And then all of a sudden they find out it's not. And then, Bad things start happening, and it gets a little Armageddon-y. Not a lot, just a little. And it's a great and fun, great and fun movie. Uh, Gerard Butler does a great job as the dad. They've got a kid actor who's only annoying when the character is supposed to be. It's cool. kind of amazing. Uh, things fall from the sky. People are going squirrely because it's the end of the world and lots of people are going to die. Pretty much everyone's going to die. And the military isn't a bunch of psychos. They're good people doing a tough job in tough situations. I, it's a really good movie. And unfortunately, I'm out of things to say about it being a really good movie. It's got good production values and everybody doing performances turns in solid performances. Well, I've got one question then. Sure. I've never seen a disaster movie. I've seen Armageddon, which struck me as aliens, not a disaster movie. But anyway... That's also not my jam. Can you tell me what about it makes it a good disaster movie? Or what, and what about it makes it a good uh, movie overall? 
This is a movie where they start with the tension low and they have a few lulls during the movie to give you a chance to catch your breath. Take your breath. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but other than that, it is straight up tension building the entire movie. Uh, to where even if you know what the ending's going to be because you know what disaster movies are, um, you're still caught up in the tension. Cool. At least I was. It was a good, properly suspenseful movie. Yes. All right. Very well done. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Army of the Dead, I thoroughly watched. This movie, I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> well said. So, yeah, I mean, I really don't have... There's not a whole lot you can say about good movies except to start listing all the elements of a movie and saying, oh, they did this right. They did that right. Uh, the Foley work was excellent. The asteroids sounded like asteroids. I bought the fire. It sounded like fire burning. You know, when things fell from the sky, I, it sounded like astros fall, asteroids falling from the sky or pieces of comet falling from the sky. You know, they had special effects shot in there where – uh, almost like uh, meteor showers where pieces of the comet were burning up and in the uh, upper atmosphere. Uh, all that looked great. Didn't look fake. Um, I think it's Scott Glenn. Uh, you might have to check IMDB as to who plays the woman's father, but he's a phenomenal actor who turns up every now and then. He was in training day. He was in the right stuff. Uh, he's a, an older man, you know, very, got a lot of character to his face. And he just, every time I see him in a movie, I love him. I love it when he turns up in a movie because he's just phenomenal. Uh, he showed up in the movie. He just knocked his performance out of the park, which he always does. Uh, he's got a great voice. Phenomenal performance. I mean, I could go through the entire movie piece by piece. The cinematography is excellent. It's gorgeous at times. Uh, when they're on the farm of the dad, uh, it's just so beautiful, so pretty. And it's reminding them of, I mean, it almost looks like summer um, on this farm. It's got all these warm shades of of brown and and leaves and it, it, i guess it's autumn autumn colors it's just so gorgeous and so pretty and then when uh you know danger starts coming again um and they have to leave the farm and and you know the dad doesn't come with them he stays behind it's uh you know they shift the color palette as they get on the on the run again and and have a maybe a chance to get saved. Um, and it's it's genuinely poignant. It's a genuinely touching and kind of a little bit painful. 
um, they manage to get under your skin with the emotions at that. You know, the movie's just good. It continually pulls things like that out of you. That I, I would not have expected it. It's it's not. It's a rare movie that gets genuine responses like that. Because I've seen so many movies and TV shows and books and stuff that just don't. That I'm just surveying. Man, just finished the Magicians, the TV series that was on Sci-Fi, um, the fifth and last season. I just finished the series, and it did not do a good job of pulling real reactions out of me because. It's just woke than woke, and uh, uh, it was kind of obnoxious much much of the time. So, you know, the movie is good. I would recommend people watch it. Um, it yeah. is a disaster movie. You know, don't go in looking for Chariots of Fire or, you know, The English Patient, but it's a great disaster movie. I found it very affecting, and uh, I enjoyed it. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Um, well, needless to say, if if I'm looking for explosions and whatever else disaster movies have to offer, I'll look that one up. We're uh, we're over our normal time. Do you still want to talk about Long Kiss Goodnight? Sure, the Long Kiss Goodnight was awesome. Yep, Gina it was Davis awesome. plays. Plays a lady who got amnesia, spends what? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Amnesiac mother. Eight years in a, as a school teacher in a town, and then she starts getting her memory back. Uh, and who she is turns out to be not who she thought she was. And uh, her and a Really sleazy private detective played by Sam Jackson run into all kinds of bad, 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 dangerous, bad people. And it turns into a super awesome uh, espionage action flick. It's great. It's superb. You've had 25 years to see it, just like I'd had. And I would absolutely recommend that if you haven't watched it so far, you should remedy that immediately. Sam Jackson turns in an absolutely ass-kicking performance. Gina Davis turns in an absolutely ass-kicking performance. Um, it's a lot can't of fun. can't say a bad thing about it. It's one of those films where everybody in the cast appears to be having a great time. And uh, it's there's no... What's the word? There's no... Uh, Starts with a P. No, there's no presumptions. Like I, I can recall the the scene they used for the trailer, 25 years ago. It was just Gina Davis working as a kitchen mom, cutting of vegetables for dinner. <laughs> Some something startles her or something, and she whips the kitchen knife, and it it sticks perfectly in the wall or the door next to someone. And uh, like that lets you know what's going to happen in this film. It's going to be great. It's like the born identity only with charismatic leads and cams that don't shake. I uh, literally can't say anything against the movie. Yep. And, and if you make any assumptions about what's going to happen in the movie, well, you know what they say about assumptions. They make an ass out of you and umption. 
you'll understand that if you've seen the movie or if you uh, take my advice and go watch the movie, um, I would say there are two movies that are absolutely incredible that for some reason I did not see for like 25, 30 years after they came out. And I don't know how I didn't see them, but the other one was Point Break. And I regret both of those, both of those movies not seeing them when they first came out because uh, I literally actually seriously deprived myself accidentally. It's not like I chose to do it or did it out of a, you know, fit of uh, huff or something. But man, Point Brink, legendary movie. Go watch it if you haven't. Or if you have, go watch it again. It's that good. And uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, absolutely well worth your time to watch. Oh, by the way, uh, I saw the Long Kiss Goodnight through Tubi. It's free. You have to sit through some commercials. It's like television. Uh, but you can get the app through your Roku box, your Amazon, uh, Apple TV box, whatever. Um, you can get... Uh, Greenland is available through HBO Max right now. Uh, it's also available through rent or purchase through the iTunes store and probably through Amazon, though I haven't checked on that. Um, and then Army of the Dead is a uh, quote-unquote Netflix. Netflix original. Uh, and so if you, uh, if you still want to see it, and... It's available through Netflix. That's right. It only cost the only additional cost is two hours of your time that you're going to want back. Uh, anyway, that's that's it for me. Thanks for going for the views. I'm so happy when you check out old movies like that, Daddy Warfare. It's great to, it's great when we get to get such different perspectives from 25 years apart. Um, but. We're over time, so I'm done gushing about your gushing. I do appreciate hanging out with you every week that we can. It's a lot of fun doing the show. Thanks to everybody in the chat who came and hung out. I hope everybody has a great weekend, and everybody who is listening to this later has enjoyed the conversation. But, Daddy Warpig, I'm done. Take it away. All right. I also want to thank everybody who came and listened live uh, and everybody who will listen later. Um, We've had an energetic chat. Uh, we covered a good range of topics today. Once again, let me give you some recommendations. First edition Dungeons and Dragons, or first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, DMG, Oriental Adventures, Wilderness Survival Guide. They've got great resources for game masters, no matter what game you're running. Uh, highly recommend The Owls of Gahul. It's uh, Zack Snyder's best movie. I would recommend Greenland and... Uh, I would also absolutely recommend Point Break and uh, A Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, and uh, you can get, just a reminder, you can listen to the show on youtube.com slash geekgab, youtube.com slash geekgab. You can also check us out on soundcloud.com on the Google Play Store or on the Apple iTunes Store. Just do a search for geekgab. You can subscribe to us on the device of your choice. Listen to us on your Android phone. Listen to us on your iPad, iPhone, or even your iWatch. Or is it your Apple Watch? Your Apple Watch, uh, much to my shock, and even your Apple TV. 
And uh, we are signing out for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.